this podcast is all about shining light on the real struggles and joys of life. We will have real experiences, real people, and real stories in the hopes that they motivate you and help you in your own journey. This is the One World Countless Stories podcast with Selena Novello. Hello everyone, welcome to One World Countless Story podcast with me, Selena Novello. I will be your host and I just wanted to give you guys all a very big welcome and tell you how excited I am for this. This has been something that I've been wanting to do for quite a while, but all of my fears and everything in my head was telling me not to and push it off and wait, but I'm just going full speed ahead because I always think of what Wayne Gretzky said, miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And so this is me taking my shot and I am over the moon excited. This podcast is all about sharing your story and going through the joys and the struggles of life. So here's the description for the podcast. So it is real experiences, real people, real stories. Everyone has a story and when they share it with the world, it can inspire others in their own journey. When we are courageous enough to share our stories, it can help others become who they were born to be and know they are not alone in this world. This podcast is about shining light on the real struggles and joys of life. It is important to appreciate all the things we have gone through, but also learn as we move into the future. I have learned a lot of lessons in for, from my own experience, but also from walking with others in their own journey. That description just shows you, gives you a little glimpse into what this podcast is really going to be all about. My main goal is to inspire, motivate, and help people get out of a stuck mindset or maybe just help them in their life in general. I am very passionate about sharing stories. So what I thought would be perfect for the first episode was for me to share my own story with all of you guys. So I am going to explain a little bit more how and why I'm so passionate about telling stories throughout my own. So let's get started. So when I was really, really young, um, I struggled with school right away. And some of these memories I actually can't remember, but my parents told me what happened. So when I went into kindergarten, I honestly have very little memory from it, but I struggled from the moment I stepped into the school. So I could not remember the alphabet. All I wanted to do was color. And I, my parents told me that I could only remember two letters and that was S and C and S was for snake. And I, I want to believe that it's also because my name is Selena, but you know, <laughs> my parents said that it was because of snakes, but I was really, really not in the right mindset at that point because all I wanted to do was color and I was having a hard time paying attention. And so my parents knew right away that something wasn't really right with the way that I learned. And so by the end of my first year of kindergarten, the teacher had recommended for my parents to hold me back or else I would fail in grade one or other grades because I wasn't strong enough and I didn't have the foundation that I needed to move on. So after a lot of conversation, my parents decided that they were going to hold me back a year. And so I actually did kindergarten twice. And honestly, I don't really remember it that much. And it it really didn't affect me that much when I was younger. Um, so I did kindergarten for another year. And then 
the ball just kept rolling. Then I went to first grade, second grade, third grade, and really second and third. I have like very few memories of elementary that low of school. Um, but I remember it being a struggle. And I remember going home after school every day and my parents reteaching me everything I learned at school because I just simply couldn't remember. So I have to give a huge shout out to my parents and you'll see along my story how big they how big and how much they mean to me. They played a huge role in my life and I'm forever grateful for all the things that they have done for me so far. And so they would literally sit down with me every night and keep in mind that they have four kids. I'm not the only one. I have um, three siblings. So I'm the second oldest. I have an older sister. Her name is Anne Maria. And then it goes me. And then I have a younger brother who is Mario. We're a year apart. And then I have a younger sister, Gracie, as well. So there is four kids. So my parents did not only just have me to worry about, they had three other kids. And they would take the time and sit down with me every night and reteach me in their own way. Now, they're not teachers or anything. So it was a little bit difficult for them as well to figure out what was best for me as they could. They only knew what they knew from school, which was a very long time ago. So they would do that for me, which was so amazing. And I performed well in school. It wasn't that I did very, it's not that I had very bad grades. It's just, it took me double the effort. As you can see, it was like, I went to school all day, came home, did school all night. And so it was a lot of effort I was putting in. So around grade three, my parents were really like, okay, this is getting to be a little bit too much. And so they were like, you know, maybe it's time to get her tested. So I got tested for learning disabilities and it just came back with that I'm really, really slow and I wasn't diagnosed with anything at that point. And they just kept saying that I was slow and that I'll be fine. I'll be fine, but I'm slow. And so at, at that young age, I knew that there was something wrong with me, but as school continued, I would be pulled out for separate sessions for extra reading help. I'd be partnered up with a parent and we would go do like reading comprehension questions. And I just remember feeling very separate from everyone. I remember feeling a little bit isolated. I didn't get put into a separate classroom for like the troubles the troubled kids because I didn't have any attitude um, or behavioral issues. It was more in, in here where the issues were. And so from my memory, I, I remember that I was fairly liked. I had lots of friends. I had a great group of friends. Um, but it was just like there was one challenge after another and some of the resources that I needed like assistant in reading some things and reading tests were available but were really hard to get approved and use in every single test and not only that in some cases I felt embarrassed that I needed to do that because nobody else was like me and I didn't understand what was going on with me. And so in grade six, my parents decided to get me tested again for a learning disability because, you know, things were getting a little bit better, but they still weren't great. I was still having, having to put a lot of extra time into things. And so they decided to get me tested again. So then I... Uh, we tried to get in through the public system and it was booked. They said I wouldn't be able to do it until like um, uh, late grade seven, maybe even grade eight. There wasn't enough time or room. 
in their testing. So my parents decided to do it privately. And I remember it was a couple days of going into um, near Cochrane, Calgary, the Bears Paw old school there. And I remember meeting with this lady and we would just do like some math problems and some writing exercises and like asking me questions and stuff. And after that experience, it was determined that I did have quite a few learning disabilities and mental health issues. So I was diagnosed with dyslexia, poor working memory, and test anxiety. And so these things mixed together, I mean, individually they have their own issues, but mixed together is a whole nother ball game. Um, and yeah, it was just very interesting. And um, the anxiety was definitely something that could be worked on, but the poor working memory and the dyslexia will unfortunately never go away. That's just the way my brain is. So after that, after we found out that I actually have learning disabilities, my mom applied to a school called Foothills Academy, which is in Calgary, Alberta. And that is a school special for kids with learning disabilities. And I, my mom had known about the school because she tried to get me in in grade three, but since my um, test came back like negative, I guess, they, they couldn't accept me because there is a certain standard that you need to get into that school. And so finally, when I was actually properly diagnosed and did it privately, um, my mom reapplied to the school and I actually got in a year later. So I went to Foothills Academy in grade seven. That was my first year. And it was actually a perfect transition because my elementary school was from K to six. So everybody was leaving that original school and going to the high school in Cochrane. And I was just going to a different school in Calgary. And this had their own challenges because I had created friends that I loved and I really didn't want to leave them. But leaving schools at such a young age really showed you who your true friends are. And I can say that today I am still friends with a handful of those, I would say. And it just like some of the friends that I had, you know, we didn't make it, we didn't last. But a lot of them did. And it's kind of impressing actually to see how many actually stayed by my side and we were able to continue our friendship, even though I had left schools. So now I'm in grade seven and things are looking up because I'm at this school that's special for learning disabilities. I remember going to like my test day and I was just like, everything is done so differently here. And I loved it. And I felt welcomed. I think that's something that was really, really different about this school is that it was welcomed and that your learning disability wasn't something to be ashamed of or to hide. It was really your superpower. And I remember there was this one poster in one of the classrooms and it had uh, disabilities on like a chalkboard and there was a hand with like a chalkboard wipe or like uh, eraser. And it was going over the disability, the dis and actually highlighting ability. So for that image for me was actually saying that my disability actually gives me so many abilities and that it's okay that I have to learn differently. So from the moment I went to that school, everything changed. When I went, the teachers were so excellent. They cared. They were the most kind people I ever met. And I made friends pretty easily there. There was a great group of people and everyone was just so friendly. It was overwhelming how 
awesome it was. And right away, I got the resources I needed. So I got things like a times table because I didn't have great um, basic math skills. And I got reading help with like read, write um, and a whole bunch of different things like that. And I actually think one of the biggest thing was my mindset went from I'm dumb. I can't learn. I'm really slow. I'm never going to figure these things out. I'm just going to have to suffer through school to being like, I'm smart. I have a special thing about me. I can do this. I just need to put the work and the time and the effort in. And everything started to change. My mindset, my body, everything started to go in towards a more positive thing. I was getting good grades already, but my grades started getting even higher, like in the high 80s. And so it was like, crazy the transition the first year was a little rocky you know everything wasn't super high grades yet but they were definitely better and i my parents were spending way less time to me time with me but did i put in less work i don't know because i still went to after school meetings with teachers because they had that available and all that kind of stuff but there was a big change and when i got into grade eight I saw these kids really excelling, a few in my class. There's two of them in particular. I'm not going to say any names, but there's two of them in particular. And they were getting like high 90s. And I was like, I could do that. I could definitely do that. Um, I'm almost there. So I could definitely do that. And the other thing was after the first year I was there, there was this award ceremony where you got um, awards for being persevere for persevering citizenship awards and academic achievement award, which was the overall average in your grade. So after being, you know, seeing all these kids achieving really high things and seeing this award ceremony, I was like, oh, I'm going to get that next year. I put my goals. I'm like, I'm going to get that. And the other thing I did at that same time was I told myself that I was going to get valedictorian as well. That was one of my goals since I came to that school. I saw that I could actually learn and I had potential. And I put my, I shot, I shot for the stars. I was like, I'm going to get valedictorian because I can work really hard. I'm going to prove myself to past teachers who had said that I was slow and couldn't do things to myself, prove to myself that I was actually worthy and smart. Because a lot of the time, um, what I explain is like someone planted the seed in me and I watered it to grow. So someone planted the seed of doubt and thinking that I was stupid and I couldn't do things. And since I had a learning disability, didn't mean that I could achieve as much. So someone planted that seed in me and I watered that with my own thoughts and my own doubts and it just grew. And so what I had to do is I had to cut those out of my belief system and I did that through achieving greatness at my other school because I was proving to myself and others over and over again that I was smart enough and I was good enough. So now we're into grade eight, like I said, and I'm trying, I'm going to like do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get me to that award at the end of the year. And so I did things so extra, I would say. Um, I would work so, so hard at every single thing I did. And at the same time, while I was giving 100% in school, I was also playing, I played, I played lots of sports when I was younger. Um, so I was playing ringette and hockey one year together. Um, I also sang for a lot of years. I um, did 4-H, which is like an agricultural club program thing that you can do. 
Um, and I had lots of extracurriculars at the same time as doing school 100%. So as you can see, this may have been a combination for a little bit of burnout because I was doing so much. But I had always had a piece of me that was a perfectionist. I've always had a perfectionist in me. And I think I got that from my dad a little bit. No hate. It's fine. That's just who I am. And so it soon became this almost like a little monster inside of me that if it wasn't a hundred percent, if I didn't get a hundred on the test or even like anything under an 85, pretty much then turned into garbage for me, it wasn't good enough because it wasn't perfect. And so when grade eight ended, I actually didn't end up winning that specific award. I did get the perseverance award, but I didn't get the academic achievement award. And so I was like, you know, I could have done one of two things. I could have done one, given up and been like, whatever, or two, work even harder to get it the next year. And what do you think I did? I did the second option. I was like, okay, I need to level up my game. I need to be better. I need to do better and do more to get to that achievement that I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to get. Because like I said, I wanted to prove myself to others. I wanted to prove myself to my parents and all of these things. There was so many layers to it, but I really just wanted to prove that I could do it even though I had a learning disability. So the next year, grade 10 or grade nine comes around and I get it. And I'm like on cloud nine. I was so happy and everything was just going so well. And then where my most recent memories or like where I can remember in a lot of detail was in grade 10 to 12 because I just graduated a year ago. So in grade 10, I had, you know, I'd gone through like lots of group friends already because at Foothills Academy, the class sizes are so small. There's only like um, usually 13 to 15 kids in a class. So it was super, super small. So it was hard to make friends that lasted for over years because you just fall in and out with people like summer relationships. And that's usually how it goes in school, especially. So I'd been through, yeah, I had a really great girlfriend and I had some nice guys friends and like um but I'd gone through a lot of them and then in grade 10 there was some new girls and they were we were like besties at them um in transition I think it was like grade nine or ten and in grade 10 that's when a lot of things started changing for me because I was giving a hundred percent to everything I did like I said I did a lot of extracurriculars and in grade 10 specifically I remember doing them all at the same time so I was singing I was playing hockey I was in the 4-H program I can't even remember I was volunteering at the school like spending a lot of time at school and giving my time there and so I was doing so much and it was overwhelming. But um, I always say what I do is with my friends is if they have an issue or if they're struggling, what I do is I try to take their pain and either feel it. I'm an empath. So I either try to feel it or take it on for them. So I always say that I have um, I have a backpack on. And it's got my books, which is my stuff that I'm dealing with personally and all the things that I'm doing. And, you know, it's pretty heavy. So I got a good, pretty heavy backpack on. And then everyone else has their own backpacks, right? And what I would do is I would take others' backpacks and put it on my back and try to take some of their pain away. And I would make their issues my issues and consume myself greatly with them and try to be the fixer and the helper in the relationship. 
And so I had a couple of girlfriends, great girlfriends in um, grade 10 that were starting to have some, you know, uh, big signs of depression, some suicidal thoughts, um, cutting and a whole bunch of different things. And it was very hard for me because I had no idea why, because the way maybe that I was raised or just the way that I was, I had never thought of that before. I did get sad, but I never thought like, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to harm myself, anything like that. So I had these friends and I remember one day at lunch, we were in one of the back rooms and this one girl was talking to us about how she was feeling. And, and it was like, it was like, I was shocked because I was like, what? That's crazy. And then two of the other girls who were back there were like, yeah, me too. And I was like, oh my goodness. So they were all kind of having these feelings of wanting to end their life or harm themselves. And it was a lot for me because I tried to fix it and take it on myself. And one friend in particular, she was going, she was like my best, best friend. We had such a great relationship. We did everything together. I loved her to pieces and I wanted to help her. I really wanted to help her. And I tried to be the fixer and it was becoming a lot all of the extracurriculars, all the school, all of my friends' issues and my own stuff. It was all becoming a lot. And the the teachers, and this is where I say that the teachers really do care. One of the teachers sat down with me and recommended that I go into counseling because at the school there is counseling provided. And they said that there's no harm in doing it. It's okay to get help. And I was very open because I knew that something was wrong with me, but I couldn't figure it out on my own. And I've always been super open-minded about everything and healing and personal development. So I was like, yes, let's do it. Let's get on this. I'm ready. And so I did counseling for the first time in forever. And I was able to talk to someone about what was going on with me, what was going on with my friends, because I told my parents literally everything. Like I talked to my parents so much, but there was things that I didn't feel like I could tell all like everything to my parents about just because of confidentiality. Whereas I know there's a certain level of confidentiality with the counselors. So it became, you know, the, the year developed, the progressed, the year progressed and things kept going on. And my friend was still very sad and she had showed me her cuts for the very first time. And I remember they were on her arms and they were on her legs. And for me, I got very upset from that because I was just like so sad for her because I was like, why are you hurting yourself? Why are you doing this to yourself? And I couldn't understand what that was like because I'm I'd never felt that way before. And so I remember talking to my counselor a lot about that because all I wanted to do was take the pain away from her and just help her as much as I could. And what I didn't realize is that me trying to fix her and me being around her where she was not mentally stable, I became more depressed. I became more negative. I became more down on myself because what I had tried to do is I tried to put myself in her shoes so I could help understand where she was coming from. And that was not a great step for me because it made me get very depressed and very sad. And so Finally, um, it got to a point where uh, she had told me that she was like, really seriously, like I'd asked her like how she was like cutting herself and what she was using and different different things like that, because I was genuinely curious. Um, 
And then she had told me one day that like, I felt it was getting pretty serious. Like it was getting to the point where I thought she was going to go home and kill herself that night. And so immediately I went down to my counselor and I, in that moment, I had a choice. One, I could have told an adult, a trusted adult, or I could have just kept it to myself. But I knew deep down, I could never live with myself if she had gone home and done that to herself. I could have never trust my, I could have never forgiven myself because I would have blamed myself to this day. And so what I decided to do was talk to my counselor about what I was concerned about for her, all the things she had um, shown me. And I didn't obviously go into all the details of everything she shared with me, but I did give a fair bit of context and how I was feeling and how she was feeling. And in that moment, I knew I had to risk my whole friendship because she did tell me not to tell anyone. And it was very serious. And I just had to make that decision. I could A, lose her forever or B, lose her as a friend because I say I had I had to tell someone and I saved her. So I was very nervous and I was very, I was battling in between in myself, do or do not tell, but I decided to tell because I knew deep down that was the best thing for her, even though, even if she hated me and never speak to me another day in my life, I had to tell her or I had to tell someone that I trusted just because I didn't want her to get hurt. So I remember sitting there, I was just bawling. I was upset. I told the thing. And then obviously immediate actions were taken. Um, people were called and everything was all figured out. And after that point, you know, it wasn't like a switch of a button and everything got perfect. You know, she had started to go to counseling and deal with her stuff her own way. And I, had to pause our relationship. And I came to that um, realization with the help of my counselor, because I was over consuming myself with her, I was becoming a more negative and not happy person myself. And so I had to tell her that I wanted to pause our relationship. And it wasn't that I was going to end it forever because I didn't really like the path that she was going down and I couldn't help her. And there was a lot of things Maybe it was a little selfish of me, but I don't I don't see it that way because I had to take a break in order for me to become stable and and okay again. And so what had happened was I told her that I needed to pause our relationship like a pause button, like a movie. Maybe I'll come back. Maybe I won't like, you know, that kind of thing. I needed to pause our relationship for now so I could work on myself and become a better person and become a little bit more happier and find my path and everything. And so that was a really hard decision for me because after that, she had told everyone that I said that I wouldn't be her friend until I cleaned up her act, until she cleaned up her act and everything like that. And that's not what I said at all, but I had to do what I had to do to do that. And so for a little bit, I was on my own, not many friends um, because I had chosen that route. Um, but I did become great friends with a couple of guys in my class. They were so fun to hang out with. They were so great. So I kind of moved from girls to boys to girls to boys. I thought there would be less drama with boys, but now nah, <laughs> it's kind of the same. Um, so after that um, whole thing in grade 10, I was burnt out, overwhelmed, and I actually broke down physically. I had a breakdown. And I remember being, I was like flying to Vancouver for a hockey or um, 
sorry, no, I went to a singing competition, then jumped right on a plane to go to Vancouver for a hockey tournament, came back right to school for H activities. Like it was crazy. And I remember physically my body giving up. It wasn't just like a runny nose and a cough. Like I was dying. My body said, nope, done. And it never happened to me before. And I thought, oh, I'm just sick. It's fine. I'll keep going. But later realizing that that was actually a breakdown, burnout, and people had warned me about it. They're like, Selena, they saw you're going too hard. You're going to burn out. You're going to burn out. And I kept being like, no, I'm not. I'm fine. I'm not going to burn out. And so I, I burnt out in grade 10 and I didn't know until um, other people around me were like, no, that's what that was. Cause I was in bed for a while and it was like, I wanted to keep going. I wanted to go and show up and do things, but I just couldn't because my body was not allowing me to do that. I got like um, a lot of um, stomach issues as well because I was not taking care of myself. And so Grade 10 was a really big year for me. And in the midst of all of it, I decided to start my own business as well. So I was walking around one day in Cochrane, where I live, and uh, it was before a hockey game. And there was a booth or there was like a little, um, what do you call it, market. And there was a booth that had a whole bunch of jewelry on it that was so shiny and sparkly. And like, if you know me, Mm, I love my diamonds. I got bedazzled boots. Like I love me some good crystal, sparkly, anything jewelry. I love it all. So when I saw that, I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. This is so cool. And I, I loved it because there was little charms that you chose to tell your story. And I just love the concept of that. So I put my name in a draw because me and my mom had to leave. And so the lady contacted us and said, like, you had won the draw. And would you like to talk about the opportunity? And I was like, what's an opportunity? Like, yeah, sure. Let's meet. So me and my mom met her and she told us about the company and how I could be my, I could be my own boss. I could sell this jewelry. And you know, that all sounded pretty appealing to me, but the biggest thing was their mission, the company's mission, which was so amazing. So yeah, our mission is to be a force for good, to love, inspire, and motivate people of all ages to reach their dreams and to make a difference in the lives of others. And that was what I was all about. And I loved it. I cling to that mission. And I was like, it's done, sold. And so then I started my own business with my mom. And right out of the bat, my mom was more there just to do the support, some of like the more behind the scenes stuff. And I was running my own business. I was selling jewelry and it was so awesome. And I love the company and I hadn't really like known it very well, but I still loved it. And like I said, the whole, the whole thing, the whole jewelry company was about telling stories through charms and lockets. So you could put little charms that represent maybe like a trip you did or things in your life. Like maybe you love to travel and like there was food, there's lots of little charms and you put them into a locket and it's your story, or you can tell a story through that locket. And so I loved it so much. And that is partially why I'm so passionate about telling stories now, because through that company, I learned how to make my own story, um, configure it in a proper way and learn how to properly tell it. 
And I learned how to um, help others share their story through charms. And I learned how to talk to people. I knew how to do this before, but I really learned to listen and pull out key points so I could make a locket for them. So if they talk about their kids, I'd put a kid charm or a family charm. If they talk about maybe a sport they loved in the past, like basketball or volleyball, maybe they did a trip. So I really, really listened to hear these things so I could make a locket for them as either a gift or just as like an idea or just something to show them in general. General, and I just became so, so passionate about it. And I just, yeah, I love the company. I still sell the jewelry today. Um, you can follow me, Artsy Charms, um, on Instagram. Anyways, it's a little shout out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I love the company. And even though I was doing all those things, I just, I added another to my plate, which maybe wasn't the best idea at the time, but that company truly changed my life. And here's why. As I moved into grade 11, you know, I thought friend things, friends would start becoming a little bit easier, but I was wrong. It kept getting worse and hard and it was weird and uncomfortable. And there was just so many different things going on. And um, there was points in my grade 11 year where I was kind of in between groups and I felt very alone. And even though maybe I had some friends, I just didn't feel it. I felt very alone. I felt disconnected. And I decided to go on the Origami Owl convention uh, to the Origami Owl convention. And when I say this event changed my life, I'm not sugarcoating it. Like that is the honest truth. I, I was feeling alone and I was feeling sad and I didn't have anyone to go to. And when I went to this event, I never felt so much fire in my body. I'd never felt so much love in my heart. I remember crying so hard that I like seriously had to like calm myself down because I was getting into like, I was just overwhelmed and I could feel the energy in the room and I could feel the love of everyone there and the genuine connection that I was making with so many people and learned about personal development, more about personal development and all these things and what you could do and what, how I have so many possibilities. And it was really lit. Uh, it really stole my heart, I guess. And I really felt loved. And even though I didn't know half the people, no, probably more than half the people, I probably knew like five people in the room out of like 2000 people. I was like, whoo, what are you talking about? Like, this is crazy. This is so awesome. And I was literally lit on fire. So that was my first convention. I can't remember if that was grade 10 or 11, but one of the two, <laughs> that was one of the years. And so it was amazing. And, um, I had struggled, um, with all of the activities that I was doing. And so I sat down, I made a co uh, con and pro list of all the activities I was doing, what I wanted to let go, what wasn't serving me anymore. And I decided to let go of hockey. And this probably was one of the hardest decisions ever, but also one of the easiest. So my last year in hockey was not great. And some of the stories I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to go into a little bit more depth in some of the other episodes where I'll dig, dig into certain meanings and certain um, themes with some of the things from my life. So I'm just touching on some of the things and going into more detail with others. Um, but I decided to drop hockey because of the toxic environment and the way that my last year prayed out, which was not very good. And 
um, it was just not fun. It was a not fun year for me. I would come home crying all the time. I was very angry. And the only good thing about hockey at that point was just that I was moving my body. And I didn't realize how important that was until I didn't move my body in hockey. Um, but all of the mental and psychological pieces of hockey were very difficult. And there was a lot of events that happened that I'll go into more detail in other podcast episodes that were just very hard. And so I decided that I was not going to play hockey anymore and I would still sing part-time and I would do um, less 4-H cause you know, that depends on how many projects you do and I would run my business as well. So uh, I took one away, added one, but you know, I definitely limited my extracurriculars in a sense because hockey was a lot of driving around and all that. So I was feeling a little bit better that year. I was like, okay, everything's going to be fine, but still busting my butt. And um, it was, yeah, there was so much that happened in that year. That was a crazy year, grade 11, but it was another good one. Um, Lots of growth, lots of learning. Um, But what I really want to get into is a little bit about grade 12. So at the end of grade 11, one of my teachers sat me down and said, like, we're worried about you and we don't know what you're going to do if you don't get valedictorian. Because at this point, I'd gotten the academic achievement every single year and I was busting my butt and everybody knew what I wanted was valedictorian and I would literally do anything to get it. And so I my teacher sat me down on the last day of grade 11 and really was like, we're worried about you. We don't know what you're, what's going to happen if you don't get it, because even though we all know you deserve it, it doesn't mean you're going to get it because it could go to a student vote. And so I was like bawling in her classroom because I had never thought of that either. I just thought I'll put the work in, I'll work hard, and then it should all fall into place. And so that was really one of the first moments when I realized maybe I couldn't get it. I mean, multiple times in the grade 11 and in grade 12, I was being bullied, I guess you could say, by students in my class that saying, I'm not going to I'm not going to vote for you. And there was a lot of negative talk around it. And I was like, I'm going to prove it to you. Watch me kind of thing. But my teachers, again, they really cared and they saw that and she had a chat with me. So I really sat down and was like. I really, really, really have to think about what it would look like if I didn't. And that was really hard for me. But over the summer, I had taken some time. I felt like I had moved a step forward. I'd come to peace a little bit if I didn't get it. Um, And it was good. I felt okay. And the first day of grade 12, I come into grade 12. And the first thing that was said to me, no word of a lie, was, I'm not going to vote for you for valedictorian from this one kid. And I'm literally like sitting here, like I've just done all this work. I've thought about this lots. And now this kid has the audacity to say this to me. And so I break down right away. Spoiler alert. I'm a little emotional. (laughs) So I break down right away and go to that same teacher because I just was like, I felt like I had moved on, but I didn't realize how hard it was going to be coming back and everyone still having that same mentality. 
So I was really just, everything was just a little tense in grade 12. And um, it was interesting. I had an interesting relationship with my guy friends. It was not, you know, necessarily the best, but it wasn't the worst. Um, But I had felt like I was taking on a lot of the responsibility of keeping the friendship alive between the three of us. And I was just like, one day I was like, what if I just don't talk to them? Would they talk to me? Like, I was just wondering. And, you know, after some events that occurred um, in school, I was just like, that really hurt me. Like, are they really my friends? Like, you know, there's a whole bunch of doubt. And over the Christmas holiday, I was talking to people and, you know, listening to what they had to say and different things like that. And I realized I was like, maybe that isn't the, the not the healthiest relationship for me. And so I was like, yeah, when I go back, if they don't say hi to me, I'm not going to say hi to them. So we didn't talk for three months. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was difficult because there was a lot of um, lunches alone. I just focused on you know, building, building myself back up and trying to figure something out. But when I or trying to be alone without being sad and just kind of trying to figure it out on my own alone. And um, it was hard because the two of them still hung out and it was really not between me and the one guy. It was me and the other guy. So it was kind of like suck because the one guy got stuck in the middle. And of course, he hung out with the other guy. So it was definitely difficult. And from both sides, I know that my story is going to be different than their story. And I could have been the villain in theirs, but um, this is just my experience and how I felt. So I decided not to talk to them and they didn't talk to me and we hadn't talked in forever. And so what I had done is in grade 11, I went to this program called Empowering Minds, which is an amazing leadership conference that the school provided for us. But my grade never got to go. So usually they do it in grades. My grade never got to go, but I decided um, that we had the opportunity to go um, with the other grade. Um, and I was like, personal development, leadership development, sign me up. Now, this was like next level. And I'll talk about that in another podcast. Like it was next level um, training and like self-development and like pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. But I had done it with the younger grade and that's my brother's grade. And so I had a really deep connection because when you go into something that intense, like uh, no, no contact to the outside kind of thing. You're just there for a weekend and it's all like, go, go, go. Um, you become really close, especially the things that you experience there. You become really close. And so after that, um, I, you know, didn't really stay in touch with many of them, but I created some awesome relationships. So when I was kind of in that transfer, like in between my friends, not talking to me and being alone, then I was like, well, they're in leadership with me. So why don't I just start hanging out with them instead? So I did. And it was like the best thing ever. I found that they were a little bit more mature than the people in my grade, which is ironic. And then um, I just loved hanging out with them. And it was so great. They were just really fun to be around. So I just started hanging out with them. And then we get to, I think, yeah, March. So we get to March 
And the, we haven't talked about a grad at all this year. We had had a meeting as like a class and staff and everything. Like we hadn't had any meetings yet until March. There had been lots of discussions about grad and lots of things that I advocated for to get a better grad, um, which is another story for another time. But um, we had a meeting and um they were like signing people up for speeches and like they want to run around um, valedictorian in a very interesting way. They said, who would like to be valedictorian? Raise your hand, just like all the other speeches. Who wants to do a speech to the parents? Raise your hand, all that kind of stuff. And so obviously I was like, yeah, sign me up. Like I want to be valedictorian. And I did just, I didn't just want that. I did have the grades for it as well. And so, um, I, I raised my hand and the whole process was weird. And I, and I'm going to have another podcast episode about, um, the whole valedictorian, valedictorian experience, but just a quick go over it. Um, so, you know, people put their hands up. I think there's like five people who put their hand up for valedictorian. And then they said, so if there's someone who has a high percent average, like a clear, like a lot higher than everyone else, then they just automatically get valedictorian. If not, then it goes to a student vote. So I'm like peeing my pants because I'm like, what the heck? This is crazy. Like I kind of knew, but I didn't really know all the rules. And so I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be awful. So uh, they ended up like checking the numbers and everything. And there was three kids. There was me and two others who were at the top. And I think we were like really, really close to each other. And so that means that I went to a vote and it was just a hot mess. And I was dying of anxiety and all everything I had worked on. It was just in counseling had all come into the like 24 hours. So it was absolutely crazy. And um, it ended up being a student vote and I ended up not getting it. And I remember that day very vividly. Um, and it was not an easy day for me, um, but I pushed through and there was lots of people around me to support me. Not the people I thought originally, but there was some people to support me. And uh, the grade 11s, the ones that I were hanging out with, they were the ones who stayed with me until like five o'clock that night to make sure that I was fine because I was not fine. This had been a dream of mine. And there was elements to the story. There was elements to the thing that were added that I could have never expected feeling. Feelings like betrayal and feelings like um, lost and just like hurt like overall hurt by people not as much the action or not as much as losing the actual valedictorian so there was a lot there and I will share this story in more detail and all the things I learned from that in another episode but I didn't get it and I was really devastated because I was this was that was supposed to be a part of my story that was supposed to be me proving to everyone who said I couldn't do it who said just because I have learning disabilities I can't do it I wanted to show people with learning disabilities or any disability for that fact, that you can do anything you want if you put your mind to it. And I thought my message is now ruined and it's gone. Like it's just, it's gone. I can't do it anymore. So I was very defeated because that was my message. That was supposed to be a part of my story where I ended up, you know, winning and getting the valedictorian. And I wanted to prove to myself. I wanted to prove to my siblings. I wanted to prove to my parents. I wanted to prove to my family, you know, the people who thought, think I'm just this silly, like not like 
you know, I wanted to prove to people that I was this intelligent and like successful person. And so when I didn't get it, there was many reasons why I want a valedictorian and none of them were just so it could go on my resume. It was beyond that. It was about motivating and inspiring others. It was about um, claiming what I'd worked so hard for. It was so much more, which I will go again into more detail in another episode, but it just the overall, it was so much more than just getting this piece of paper and putting it on my resume for me. And so it was devastating. It was. And, um, I remember the next day that was my last day of high school and I didn't even know it. And that's because of COVID, but I remember, so I was told on a Thursday, everything happened. There was lots of crying, lots of laughing because of uncomfortableness and lots of just reflecting and within less than 24 hours. And so the next day I had a choice again, I could have stayed in bed all day, been like, I want you guys to feel bad for me. Or I could go to school the next day with my head held high and just go and go. I got knocked down so hard and I needed to go. And this reminded me of, I love Rachel Hollis. Shout out, even though you probably never hear this, but I loved Rachel Hollis and I still do. And um, she had this one video that I watched at the beginning of grade 12 that was like, I want you to get knocked down. I want you to fall to the ground. And then I want you to get up. I want you to go again and again and again and rise like the phoenix from the ashes. And it was something like that. And it was so powerful for me. And I actually like printed it out huge letters on my uh, like huge strips with the words on my wall in my old bedroom. And I read it every single day because I don't know if I had a sense feeling or if I just need that thing, but it was to go again and again and get up when people don't expect you to. And so I had that thought in my head. I said, I could easily just stay in my bed today, but I was like, no, I'm going to get up. And did I know how hard that was going to be? Nope. Walking through those halls again, reliving what I had lived yesterday. And some of the people that I cared most about didn't even talk to me about it or like ask me how I was doing or anything. And it was like avoid Selena almost. It was, it was very difficult and walking through the halls didn't feel the same. And it was just, it was a hard day. And um, yeah, it was just a very hard day to go back. And so I went to school and my plan was to write my exam because I had to write an exam through all this chaotic chaoticness. So I had to write my exam and then I was going to leave. And I was going to give my friend a letter that I hadn't talked to yet um, because I felt like I needed to write him a letter in order to get out what I needed to. So after I was done writing the exam, I handed him the letter and I said, and I was going to leave. And then he says, can I talk to you for a second? And I'm like, I'm holding it together by seams. Like I cannot talk. I'm not okay. Like I know I'm like barely holding it together at this point. So I'm like, yeah, sure. So he, we're in the stairwell. He's trying to talk to me and I'm like, break down immediately. After, like for like one minute, he starts speaking. I'm broken down because I just, it was everything. I didn't talk to him in for so long. And then uh, when I gave him the letter, he wanted to talk to me and it was just, it was all an emotional day. And so after he, we had talked to, he had talked to me, um, he wanted to keep talking to me, but I was very not okay. So I said like, we'll see. And I just left and went to my car and I was just bawling. 
And I called my aunt because my mom had said that I should talk to my aunt about something she had went through similar where everybody knew she should have won, but she didn't, that kind of thing. And I talked to her and she's like, don't you dare let them see you cry. Don't you dare let them win and get that. Be the stronger person and be happy for the other person. And I was like, you're right. So I took a deep breath. Something inside of me told me I couldn't go home. Something inside of me said, you need to go back in there and finish the day. And thank goodness I did because that was my last day of high school. So um, the day ended and... um, Lots more things happened around the whole valedictorians thing, um, but we'll save that for another time. And so leave that Friday. We all heard about this COVID thing. We're like, ah, we're going to get an extra spring break. Yeah, yeah. And we're not going to have to write all our the rest of our exams the next week. And so I was happy about that because I was not in the right place to write any exams. So I was like, yo, let's go. Like We were all like excited that this like COVID thing was happening. And so... Um, we left school Friday and we never returned and we never knew that that was going to be our last, my last day of high school. And I'm glad that I went back. Um, and then everything went online. Everything was super weird. I had not talked to really any of my classmates except on zoom where we had to show up for class and it, yeah, it was, it was different, but I, I say in a lot of ways that COVID saved me and COVID was like an angel watching over me because yes, I didn't get to finish my grade 12 year. Yes, I didn't get a proper graduation. Yes, I lost out on a lot of fun experiences. Yes, I didn't go to my first year of university in class, in cl- like in person, but I don't know what it would have been like for me to keep going back to school after what had happened. I didn't know how it would, I don't know if I could go to graduation and watch someone else give the speech that I've been dying to give. I didn't know if I could walk down those halls confidently again. I didn't know if anything mattered anymore to me as much as it used to. I didn't know if I could you know, really about the whole graduation thing. I honestly didn't know if I could sit through a graduation ceremony that I've wanted to do for very long and just sit there and watch. And so I say that, you know, uh, COVID was like an angel because of that reason, because it sucks. I didn't get a graduation and I wish I did. But again, I don't know if I could sit through that and I don't know how strong, if I would be strong enough to do that. But another great thing that COVID gave to me was a break. Because like I said, I was going so fast. I was doing a million things at 100%. And it really gave me the time for a break. And I was always like, I just want a break. I just need time for myself. I just need a break. But you can't do that in high school. You can't do it like that. And so, because you have to go. And so I got what I asked for, essentially. So I really couldn't complain. And, you know, COVID was one of the best things for me because I really got to think about what did I need? What, what happened? What happened? How can I, you know, learn and grow? And I remember during, I think the first, within the first month of COVID, I actually came up with something called force for good Fridays. And I had seen all the darkness in the world, all the sadness. There was a lot of black lives matter stuff going on. There was a lot going on and I just saw a lot of negativity, darkness, sadness, and I wanted to be the light. And I decided to start something called Force for Good Fridays. And I was on a walk one day and it just came to me. 
It literally just came to me, no pressure on myself to do anything. It just came to me. And it's been amazing. I've been doing it. We had our first year anniversary just this last April and it's been so amazing. And essentially what it is, is I just want to spread kindness like confetti. So I went around and I would put sticky notes on like lamp posts. I have dropped off graduation baskets, mother graduation bags, mother's day baskets, and a whole bunch of things we've donated to the, um, the Cochrane food bank and literally just go out and spread kindness. Like today I bought someone their pedicure when I was getting my nails done because I literally just felt a connection with this lady. I wasn't talking to her, but I was hearing her talk and I literally, all I ever want to do is just spread kindness and give back and show my heart. So this was something so great that came out of COVID as well. And so, yeah, I've been doing that for a while for Friday on Instagram. You can check out there all the things that I've done. And it's been a pretty crazy experience. And I hope that that continues as well. And um, so I graduate. Um, I have the summer off. I go to Vancouver. You know, things keep arising about valedictorian because I tried to push it all down keep it locked in there. And then things kept coming up and I was having fun and then I was sad and then I wasn't. And then it was like this whole journey. And when September came, I started school. I started, I got into Mount Royal University for my bachelor of business and I was so excited. And I was only taking like uh, two classes in each semester, really light low, just to get my foot into the water, I guess, just dip it in before I dive in. Um, and it was good. But again, I started getting more and more busy and um, just a lot of things had changed. And um, I was a youth leader at youth group at the youth group I used to go to, which I forgot to talk about through my story, which was like a really important piece of it as well. Um, but I'll go into that another time. Um, so there was just like I just started doing a lot of things, but I chose certain things that were lifting my lifting me up. And now I am just going with the flow and just trying to figure out who I am and what my heart wants me to do. So that is my story as of today. <laughs> and I feel like I have been through quite a bit. I have walked through others' journeys with them. I observe a lot. I see a lot of way other people live their life and I know what I want, what I don't want. And I feel blessed to be able to experience life with others and experience this mad, like my own life. And I always say, I never regret anything. And I never wish that I had like an easier life. I think that the learning disability who has made me who I am today. I think all the struggles with my friends and all the struggles with um, valedictorian and everything that I experienced has made me the person that I am today. Even though it wasn't always sunshine and lollipops, it was literally a roller coaster with high times and low times, lots of lessons learned. I just feel so grateful for all of my experiences. And so that is why I wanted to start this podcast because I believe that we can learn through others' journeys. We can get inspired by others, see what they've been through, how they've overcome it and where they are now. And I think that it's so important that we do share our stories so people understand where we've been, where we're coming from, and also they can relate to their own life through yours. And so I have been in fear of putting this podcast out. I've been in fear of starting my own business, starting a YouTube channel. 
all these things. And I'm trying to push through the fear and just start things that I think are going to be meaningful and helpful to others and just give it my shot. You know, you miss hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. Like I said, at the beginning, Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky. And, um, this is me taking my shot, my first shot. And I'm just so excited to share this experience with all of you. And I'm so excited that all of you are going to be sharing your stories on here. If you are interested in sharing your story, you can message me um, in my through email, phone number, Facebook, Instagram. My Instagram is Selena underscore Novello. All of it will be in the episode notes below. So you can get in contact with me any way that you feel comfortable. And I would love to share. I would love to help you share your story on this platform and just really make the world a better place and just, yeah, celebrate where we've been and where we're going. So I want to thank you guys all so much for taking the time to listen to my story and to listen to others. And if you guys could leave a review, that would be so amazing. Um, The more reviews that you, uh, the more reviews I get, the more that this will help others. So I think that is it for me, but I am going to answer the four questions that will be asked in every interview, which is, What is your best advice and from whom? What is the worst advice you've ever received? What advice would you give to your younger self or someone in the younger generation? And what are you grateful for today? So let me start. My best advice, which I talked about a little bit before, was from Rachel Hollis, um, which is to keep going, get up, rise from the ashes, and don't give up. Those are, um, I'm sure others have said it, but I've heard it from Rachel Hollis. And that is definitely some of the best advice that I've gotten because there's nothing more powerful than someone who is going to rise from where they're rise from their struggles and keep going. So that's some of the best advice I've received. Some of the worst advice I've received is that you'll be happy when for example, you'll, you're successful. You'll be happy when, and I don't know if that's really someone gave that to me or if that's kind of what we're fed to on internet or just how we live our lives as a society. I know a lot of us have that mentality. You know, I had it when I graduate from, or when I go to high school, I'll be happy. When I graduate from um, from high school, I'll be happy. When I graduate from university, I'll be happy. When I have kids, I'll be happy. When I'm a relationship, when I'll be happy. And I think that's just some of the worst like uh, philosophy or advice ever given, because I think you have to choose to be happy now. Because if you're always going to be waiting, you're never going to reach, you're never going to get the, the gold, the, the gold, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You're never going to reach that. Why don't you just make your own gold? That's kind of like my, my theory behind that. And then my advice to my younger self or someone younger than me is don't be afraid to be alone because sometimes it's better to cut some of those more toxic people out of your life and stand on your own than be in those toxic relationships where you're not happy and you're not growing either. It needs to be a mutual relationship. And I always say like, yeah, don't be afraid to to cut people out of your life that aren't positive. And also surround yourself with people who lift you up, who motivate you, who inspire you, who cheer you on the sidelines. Surround yourself with people like that. That would be my advice to younger generation or my younger self. And then what I'm grateful for is I'm grateful for this experience. I'm grateful for all of my experiences through life. And 
I'm really grateful for my family and friends, especially my family, because there's been so many points that I don't know what I would have done without my family. So huge shout out to my parents, especially. Love you guys. Thank you for everything you've done for me. And that's all. So thank you guys for listening. Um, I'm so excited for you guys to hear everything. And I hope it helps you grow and learn and become the person that you were born to be. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of the One World Countless Story podcast with me, Selena Novello. It was an honor to be the first story told on this podcast, and I hope that it has benefited you in some way or another. If you have a story that you would like to share with the world, you can contact me on all platforms. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you can reach me however you get a hold of me regularly. Um, my Instagram is Selena underscore Novello, and everything else is Selena Novello. Again, thank you so much for supporting me through this journey. I hope you have an amazing day. Bye for now.